Hello, my name is Philip Camilla, and today we're going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse and evolution to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Collapse of Materialism, Philip Camella. I've titled today's show, Experiments That Prove Thoughts Create Reality. And I'd like to start with a quote from the book of today's guest, Pam Grout. And because I think this quote uh, really hit me when I was reading her book. Uh, her book is entitled uh, E Squared, Nine Do-It-Yourself Energy Experiments That Prove Your Thoughts Create Reality. And the quote is this, which is, Physicists, for over 100 years now, have not known what to make of the fact that Newton's classical view of the world has absolutely no bearing on the way the world works at its core. The subatomic realm so defies all reason and logic that most scientists, scared to endanger their academic credentials, have more or less ignored the fact that life is nothing like what we pretend it is. In fact, it's so freaky, particles popping up out of nowhere, time slowing down and speeding up, particles reacting and communicating with each, with each other, even when separated by thousands of miles, that the only thing scientists have done with this information so far is to develop technology that allows us to blow each other up, send text messages, receive cell phone messages, and nuke our hungry man TV dinners. And I think that says it all in a in a uh, engaging, entertaining way about what's wrong with our current scientific world picture, which at which is that it's 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 preventing us from taking advantage of the real core of reality, which is this underlying energy realm. So I mentioned that my guest today is Pam Grout. Now Pam is the only one that I've had on my show who's who's not only written a book in the new spirituality, self-help, body, mind, and spirit realm. But she also uh, has written many books uh, and articles for magazines such as People, Cooking Light, Traveling Leisure, and even Modern Bride. She brings uh, with her a vast knowledge of the, of the people uh, across the globe, the way they think, and also brings a very down-to-earth understanding of how we could make better use of some of the principles that science is starting to uncover through such things as the quantum theory. Uh, Pam, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. It's great to be here. Well, I, I've worked hard to get you on the show because I thought that your book, uh, E Squared, is one of the best books in this genre because it's very readable, but at the same time, it's credible. You definitely did your homework. And I think that uh, it's, it would be good to understand here a little bit how you switched from being 
a freelance writer to writing this kind of book? What was your own transformation that led you into this area? Well, I would suggest that um, it was my understanding and practicing of these principles that led me into being a freelance writer, or at least that led me to being a successful freelance writer. I heard a statistic once that the average author, you know, makes something like $3,000 a year, and that is including in the Stephen Kings and, you know, when you average it all out. So on one hand, um, me writing about something that I have used in my own life makes perfect sense to me. So I have used the principles that I talk about in the book to have the life of, you know, being a travel writer, writing, well, just finished my 17th book. So, um, so yeah, I, I think because I use these in my own life, and that's basically the thesis of the book, is I think a lot of us know about these principles. We know that theoretically, you know, that thoughts create a reality. We know theoretically there's this energy force out there. But until we can actually put it into practice, and that's why I came up with these experiments. These are really easy experiments. You know, it takes 48 hours to do most of them. And when you see it with your own two eyes, how well this works and how potent your thoughts really are, you can no longer have any doubt. And so I guess how I made the transition, I would say that um, it's been, you know, kind of a slow evolution as I use these principles in my own life, starting with simple things like, you know, finding a parking space where I wanted to finding a four-leaf clover or something like that. But it just developed to where I was using it for bigger and bigger things. And um, when you find something that's this exciting, I mean, the fact that we're connected to everybody out there in this field is not just interesting information. It's information we can use to have a better life. So I figure, you know, it's worked so well for me. I've had you know, so much fun with it that I want everybody to, you know, get this and have fun. So yeah. When you, yeah. So that's, I guess, basically in a, in a long answer, a long answer to your question. No, well, that, well, that's, that's interesting because it's always better to sort of come upon these ideas yourself. And then when you read the books, it's like an affirmation of the thoughts that you had because I because I think what you went through a lot of people go through including myself where we all know that thinking positively I mean at the at the base of all this is to think positively to have big goals and not be scared away from chasing those high dreams and and so if it works for you then all of a sudden it's just like well that's pretty cool and and then and then when you read books such as maybe a book by Amika Swami or Fred Allen Wolf. Uh, my, my own book, uh, The Collapse of Materialism, is, is similar to this whole thing here where, where uh, you know, nothing stops you from being what you can be other than your own belief system. So, so it seems like you, you uh, came upon these ideas like organically or yourself, right? And then, and then you uh, affirmed it through, through your study of quantum theory and all that. Is that right? Well, I would say that, I mean, I started out probably learning it through a unity church. I mean, that was probably my first exposure, although my father was a Methodist minister, and he was always into positive thinking. So I've been exposed to what you call positive thinking for a long time, and I've 
you know, I've been a disciple of positive thinking for a long time. And then, you know, when you enjoy that kind of stuff, you start reading books and, you know, little by little, you'll be led to other things. And I think, you know, the more you open up, the more fluid you become in your thinking and in your ideas and in, you know, what you hold as possible, the more stuff can come to you. I mean, I feel like our biggest job is to be open and to let go of all of our mental constructs that have created the world the way it is. And so I believe that um, I was meant to write this book yeah. and that by being open minded by being um, you know ready for this being able to accept these as possibilities then you know the material came to me and by that I mean you know somebody would say oh here read this book or I'd hear about a book or you know you have to be willing to listen to the signs and you have to be willing to trust that there really is this force that has your back and that wants you to grow and develop and if you believe that's the reality of the world, then, you know, it'll just come flowing in. As you become in alignment with that idea, um, these things just come to you. So I've read, you know, many, many books. Um, in fact, as I'm writing, you know, my next book, I, I'm just always amazed, like, wow, this perfect anecdote will come to my attention just right at the time I yeah, need it. And yeah. um, I'll just find this book that perfectly explains what I'm trying to explain. Yeah. You know, so everything just kind of works out when you're open and when you let go of that mental construct that says life is your enemy. I mean, I think a lot of us believe, you know, that the world's really difficult and that we have to really fight to get ahead. And I think as long as that's your mental construct, you know, that's the reality you will create. So it's really important to believe in the beneficence of the universe and in this force that really does want, you know, the joy and the happiness for not only individuals, but for us all together. I mean, I think that is, you know, where we're all moving to where everyone can have that. And yeah. I'm a, a student of the Course in Miracles, and it says that in there that um, perfect happiness is my right. Not happiness part of the time, not happiness, you know, uh, on weekends, happy 100% of the time happiness. And that is, I think, the, the level that we're going. I think when you're open to that, you know, things will just, I don't know, they just work smoothly. Yeah, well, I think one of the, the great developments or most positive developments of our era right now is that this school of thought, and let's call it the positive thinking school of thought, and we can go back to Norman Vincent Peale and some of the and um, some of those earlier guys, Earl Nightingale, for example, who wrote these books that were sort of outliers. Everybody knows that positive thinking, confidence is a good thing, but I think over the past fifty years or so, in particular, the last thirty years, we're starting to realize that there is a concrete reality to all this stuff. It's not just happy talk. And, and that, that is, I think, the major uh, phenomena that is occurring right now. And, and I don't think it's, 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 it's been indoctrinated into the scientific world picture, but it's slowly seeping into our consciousness. And, and to, because, see, that, that's what I'm about. I'm about making this stuff real. It's not just, you know, the scientists are in their laboratories over here doing all these lovely experiments, and then you have, you know, the, the, the folks teaching the law of attraction over here in a different building. I mean, it's the quantum theory and, and the experiments and the real-world results, I think, are, are showing that, indeed, the fabric of our universe is intertwined. 
And so I think that is what is so cool. Right now, and I, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I think... Oh, totally. Yeah. I completely agree. And I do think there's a lot of scientists that will, you know, completely, they have the mental constructs that say, no, that cannot work. You know, they're still stuck in the mechanic, mechanistic, you know, uh, the Newton way of thinking. But there's more and more scientists that are willing to do experiments in this realm, and they're finding striking evidence. And, I mean, so much evidence that it's really kind of shocking that the entire scientific community has not... Um, grasped onto this, but there is some resistance to this. There's always resistance. You know, it's like something happens, and at first people go, "Oh, you're crazy." Then people will, and and you know, then they'll say, "Well, maybe," and then eventually they'll say they'll think it was always that way. But yeah. slowly but surely, but there are definitely some, as you mentioned, the word outliers out there, like Fred Allen Wolf. There's quite a few um, quantum physicists that are really. I mean, and they, it, there have been some even since the 20s and the 30s, but you know, it's again, it's a big leap, and it's hard to put into words. I mean. That's the thing about the fluid quantum field. It's not definable. In fact, as soon as we try to define it, it you know coalesces into a particular material reality. So that's just kind of beyond our heads to get around. And I think because of that, a lot of people are resistant to it. So, um, but but it's so exciting, like you said. I mean, more and more people are opening up to this, and you know, there's the Noetic Institute, and there's all kinds of scientists now that are starting to do research into this area. And so I find, yeah, it's, a, it's an exciting time. It really is. Yeah, yeah I think that, you know, and I, I want you, you use the term um, field of potential, I believe, to... Field dis- of infinite potentiality. Yeah, okay, okay. That's what I call that's it, That's a yeah. cooler, okay, that's even a better way to put it. Okay, the, okay and what what is that? Because I think, I think it's, I think for those who have not read your book, uh, you make a connection uh, with that term, that's that sort of underlies a lot of your experiments. So, so what 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 is that? The field of infinite potentiality. The field of infinite potentiality is what you know quantum physicists call the field or the zero point field. But there's this um, there's this field, like you know, it kind of looks like we're all these separate bodies and there's all these separate things, but it's actually this big field of energy. I mean, that is you know what we all exist in. It's only our you know, our limited consciousness that sees us all as separate. So it's this connection that we all have that everything in the entire universe is connected. I mean, it's this, you know, this big field. And um, some people have called it God. You know, they're praying to this guy named God. And so, you know, th- this this uh, thing, where how your thoughts coalesce into certain things. You know, people have said, oh, I pray and this happens. But it's really this field of energy that is loving, that is good, and it is constantly being formed into what our thoughts and our consciousness um, put forth, you know, what we draw out of that field. So it's this energy field that connects all of us. Yes, and I, and the, the spin I would put on this is that the the main finding of quantum theory in in my mind is that the world does not exist of tiny independent little ball bearings or atoms or particles that that what these things really are are waves of energy energy packets fields they're they're uh it's it's more it's more like dream stuff than it is a bunch of billiard balls and as soon as you go there, and this, this I think is indisputable that that's that what the quantum theory 
teaches, although there's other interpretations, etc. Then you it leads to the the next point, which is that well, where does the field stop? Do, are are we are we a separate? Are, is the human body a separate field than nature? Well, that doesn't make any sense because there needs to be one field, and I, I think. The, the problem we're having right now in science, Pam, in, in my mind, is that even though the scientists recognize the truth of quantum theory, they still want to separate us, what we are, from the world. They haven't integrated the two. They have, yeah. we, we, haven't, we haven't linked the two. We haven't realized that our body is part of the field. That's, exactly. That's so true. Have you heard of Robert Lanza and biocentrism? I don't think so. That would be a book you would really enjoy. He might be a great guest for your show. He's a doctor. He's um, recognized as being a brilliant mind. I mean, some have compared him to Einstein, but he's very much aware of that, and he calls out some of the quantum physicists for saying, for leaving out that part of the body being part of the field. And he's, again, being a medical doctor, you know, coming from a biology background, he's very much into the body and... Um, you know, the physical body being connected to the field and into creating a lot of things. In fact, he suggests that that's where everything comes from, from the biological angle. But again, the energetic biological angle. It's really interesting. I mean, I, I would encourage you. I think you'd enjoy the book. Yeah, that that's... Uh... It's it's always nice to know you're not the only one with crazy ideas. This is <laughs> this is Philip Camella. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. I'm happy to be speaking with Pam Grout the author of the book E Squared, Nine Do-It-Yourself Energy Experiments That Prove Your Thoughts Create Reality. Uh, she's also got a new book coming out, uh, which is sequel, and if you if you can guess what that is, it's called E Cubed, right? E Cubed, Nine More Experiments That Prove Mirth, Magic, and Merriment is Your Full-Time Gig. And we're talking here about the effect that quantum theory has had on the thoughts create reality uh, line of thinking. Now, Pam, it, it, what do you, th I think you've touched upon it, but in your ex experience, what do you think is the main problem that the general public has right now in, in uh, mastering their own minds, or what? What is what is the element we're suffering under, in in your opinion? Because clearly, we don't have a lot. We don't have enough people practicing this positive thinking or this open mindedness. What do you well, think? Well, we're operating in this old school mental conditioning. You know, we think we're thinking and we think we're creating this stuff. We're really just regurgitating old mental constructs that we've learned from the time we were a little kid. And um, basically, we get up every day and expect to see the same thing that we saw yesterday. That's not at all how quantum reality works, except for the fact that that's what we're expecting. So we're stuck in this old school conditioning where we're not, I mean, in this moment, this very moment, there is all the power of an atomic you know, explosion. But in this moment, we're actually anywhere but here. So we're thinking about the past. We're thinking we understand things. We're, so we're really handcuffing this potential power. And the problem is we don't even realize that we're doing this. You know, we have these neural pathways in our brain, and they get set up a certain way, and they, um, you know, 
dominate what happens in our reality. So we just continue to create the same thing over and over and over again, but we're not really aware of it. Like at every second, there are 400 billion bits of information, and I don't even know where these figures came from, but there's all this reality, all this potential out there. But what we're cognizant of is 2,000. So we, I mean, there's this massive amount of energy, and we're only cognizant of about 2,000, and most of it has to do with body issues, you know, how do you feel in your body, and so we really are not utilizing this other huge packet of information, this, yeah. you know, these quantum packets of information, all this possibility, because we're focused in on this one little reality, you know, the neural pathways in our brain get it set up a certain way, and in some ways we need this kind of, you know, to have, because otherwise everything would just be unfamiliar to us every day, so, you know, we just continue to repeat and regurgitate the stuff we already know, and there's real benefits of that, but it also really limits your possibilities. So anyway, that's what's happening is we think we've figured the world out. We think we know what's going on. We think we understand reality. As long as you think you know anything, you've already limited it. You've, you know, as you talk about, collapsed the wave into it being that way. Because as long as what you're looking for, you will see it's called the observer effect. So if you expect your world to look exactly like it today, exactly like it did yesterday, that, you know, you've got the ability to, you know, to keep it there. So what's happened is we think we know everything. <laughs> so yeah. I think, you know, it's this old school conditioning that we're all operating under. I mean, these are really radical principles. These are radical things. And obviously, not everybody's ready to leap to this whole new idea, you know, that things are blinking on and off, the quantum packet or packets are creating this. But so as long as we continue to hold on, you know, we're like, you know, holding on with with white knuckles, you know, that things got to be the way we think they're going to be. And as long as we do that, we're going to, you know, continue to have what we have now. Yeah, well, I, uh, I, I really agree with you on, on and I thought you, you, you put it in a nice way where we're sort of reliving all these old uh, mental constructs. And I also agree that we are talking some, about some pretty radical stuff here because we're talking so, about something so radical as changing your mind about big things and about big ideas and, and let's face it two of the things that most people are really self-assured about are a their opinions about religion and and b what the scientific world is really about and and those two mental constructs i think have to change uh, for example, you know, a lot of people just don't question things that their preacher or their priest or whoever tells them that that is accepted as quote unquote gospel truth. And the same thing with regard to what uh, Neil deGrasse is saying on the show, the Cosmos, that that he's projecting what the the authoritative field of science is telling us. And and my my spin on that is well if it's you you have to think for yourself a little bit at least hit the pause button at least question some of those opinions and frankly Pam if you can't do that then that's the way it is then you know but I think I'm optimistic that more and more people are starting to doubt some of this stuff and and you know I think that's that's promising well see here's the thing we believe a lot of things are fact Facts are only opinions 
or beliefs that we've had, and as long as we have those beliefs, they will continue to appear as facts. So we have to be open-minded enough to say, maybe this isn't fact, maybe this is a belief. And if you change the belief, the fact will change. Yeah. So, um, and, but, but, so really, what we believe is facts now are really just placeholders until we um, you know, open up to other facts. So that's part of the problem is we believe there's all these facts, but it's all creative and imaginative, and everything we see out there is what we've created and imagined up until now. Um, but it's just a placeholder until we can create and imagine something else. So we really do need to let go of our firm grip on facts. You know, and everybody, oh, well, we have to know facts, and I mean, scientists will tell us this is a fact, but what scientists, what quantum physicists are telling us is that the facts we've been believing in don't play out in the, you know, the small quantum world. They really don't. So are they facts, or are they you know, just a belief or just a, you know, outpicturing of what we've been believing all this time. Yeah, yeah, and and two ways, and, and another way to put that is it's, it's never good to hold as a fact a self-limiting belief. For example, that you can never become a, a writer or you can never get something published or you can never learn to play the piano. I mean, if you have these self limiting beliefs and you hold them as facts you're really in bad shape and and, that, right, and, and we all have those right. i mean i you know i, don't, I have, we all believe certain things right. i mean even things that you know oh we can't well you know the four minute mile thing oh we can't run faster than four right. minutes and one person doesn't we realize we can all do it or we can't do this and then one person says we all realize we can do it but there's so many things that we, we limit ourselves with because we believe they are facts. Like it's yeah. fact that if I eat that big piece of lemon meringue pie that I will put on some weight. I mean, yeah. who's to say that you will? Yeah, there yeah. Was that, I don't know if you saw, heard that NPR report about mind over milkshake. This researcher put um, the same you know milk dish or this milk liquid thing that she'd made in two different labels, one in one that she called it um, Sensa Shake and said it was a low-fat, you know, um, no fat grams, all that kind of stuff, and it only had this many cal, you know, 120 calories. That she put the same liquid in another one and labeled it indulgence, and um, <laughs> said it had 600 calories, and you know, all these fat grams and calories and all this stuff. So anyway, they physiologically found that their ghrelin levels—it's this hormone that you secrete, you know, having to do with digestion, all that kind of stuff. It wasn't the actual milkshake that caused this to go up. It was the belief that they were drinking the, you know, 600-calorie thing. So our beliefs are so powerful. They actually have created every single thing we see out in the universe, but we think they're facts. So anyway, yeah. I found that interesting. And yeah. that was a Harvard researcher that did that study. In fact, they're doing a lot of stuff around that, you know, about the, you know, the, what we say is physiologically fact is actually more to do with what you believe. Yeah, well, that... that that leads to the pharmaceutical industry, which we're going to go there uh, in a second. Because oh, I'm, do we I'm, have to? <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a big, I, I'm a big <laughs> fan of talking about that. But we're, but, but, uh, before we do, I mean the the uh, the idea that our our beliefs control what we can be uh, clearly is important. And my my feeling about this is it's very similar to 
to Pascal's wager. And Pascal was the guy who said that, well, if he doesn't know whether God exists or not, but, but because if God really does exist, it's better to believe in him or her than not. He's going to believe in God because the rewards would be infinite. Okay? Uh-huh. So, so my analog to that is that because we, we don't really know whether the outside world can limit us, it's better, it's better to believe it doesn't. It's better to believe it doesn't and, and believe in our hearts that there is nothing stopping us. And, and that's sort of the way I approach things because, and I think that's what you're saying as well, is that there really isn't anything out there that's stopping us. And the, I go back, if, if someone really wants to argue about this, I would go back to Descartes, the French philosopher, who the, the I think, therefore I am guy, who, who basically went through this systematic doubt. And he's the one who said the only thing that, that, that cannot be doubted is the doubting ability itself or the mind itself. Anything else you can doubt. So we know we th- we're thinking beings, and the question is we should be using our minds for the best possible outcome. So, so I think I think that I think those kind. I think the mind over milkshake is something anybody can understand. I, I think that experiment is probably making a lot of people very happy uh, right now because it would make me happy. I, you just have to label your your milkshakes uh, sense shake, right? Or <laughs> or, uh, or uh, you know organic, uh, fat free, you know health health shake or something. That's that's cool. So but that really challenges. That really challenges a lot of people in the you know that have been you know dieting for all these years. Yeah. That's like a huge you know affront to their to their beliefs to the facts that they know to be true. And see, that's the thing. All this stuff is a real affront to the facts. Yeah. But um, but we have to be willing to. You know, a real scientific inquiry will never think they know the way things are because um, that just is such a limitation. You really do have to be open-minded enough to realize that, you know, it may not be exactly the way I've been preaching it is all these years. It may not be that way. Well, it's, it's so consistent with this quantum field, your, your field of infinite potentiality, and this idea that the body is part of the field. I mean, we. This is what's amazing. I mean, we we go back and forth in, in our in our mindset. Even I. I mean, even, as radical as I am about this, I mean, I still go back and forth. Uh, like when I when I have a headache, I'll take an aspirin, um, and because we 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 are so intertwined with our body, but but we we know through, for example, the placebo effect and your mind over milkshake example that. The mind does have an effect on the body, and it's and if so, uh, it suggests a that they're connected, and b we need to spend more time nurturing our spirit than just you know taking drugs and operating on the on the body, et cetera, et cetera. So I think I think that is I think that is uh, something that we need to pay attention to. This is Philip Camella. This is conversations. Beyond Science and Religion. I'm speaking with Pam Grout, the author of E Squared, Nine Do-It-Yourself Energy Experiments that Prove Your Thoughts Create Your Reality. Now, one of the things a lot of us struggle with, Pam, is this thing called negativity. Uh, what, What experiment or what words of wisdom can you give to somebody who who faces this this 
this uh, point about thoughts creating reality, but 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 is sort of troubled or 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 um, hampered by all these negative thoughts. What do you what do you do with that kind of thing? Well, you know, we do. We've all fallen into patterns, and I think negativity is a huge dominant paradigm in out in our culture. You know, you look at the news; we're totally focused on what's wrong, what's wrong. You know, we kind of look at the world as our enemy. So, as long as you do that, um, you know, that's what you're going to create, and that's you know, kind of the reality that we're seeing out there. But what I talk about in my book is that it takes a little bit of faith, but you have to start asking what is right and you just continue it's like housebreaking a puppy your mind's going to want to go back to that old rut about fear and limits and you just keep taking that puppy back out mm. <laughs> you know mm. taking that puppy back out and showing them that it's a lot more fun to go to the bathroom out here than <laughs> it is in here so it's really a matter of training you know it Somebody said, I can't remember who it was, we are what we practice most. And um, so we really do have to practice. And the reason, I mean, here to me is the compelling reason why we should do it. A, of course, it might change our reality. But even if it doesn't, it just feels a lot better. And what I always like to say, you know, you wouldn't go to, I mean, Superman 3 or whatever, Spider-Man 3 that came out a couple years ago, it was a lousy movie. You would never rent that movie and watch it again. It's like, you know what, that was a lousy movie. So why do we continue to relive over and over and over those experiences in our life that were negative and that didn't please us? So we have a choice, and so we continue to play those old reruns, and we go over and over it again. We want to hold on to you know our dysfunctional past and all this kind of stuff. Well, it wasn't fun the first time we did. Yeah. Why do you want to play it again? Yeah. So if for no other reason, I mean, whether it changes your reality or not, and I happen to know that it does, but even if you don't believe that, you have to think, what's the best use of my time? You know, you don't walk into a department store and pick out the ugliest outfit to buy. You don't walk into a restaurant and pick out the you know, the worst item on the menu, why do we pick the thoughts that make us unhappy? Yeah, well, I, th- I think converting that, that negativity, and I don't know what the source of it is. I don't know, and, and because in some ways, I think it's related to culture, to sort of a mindset, this I can't do it mindset, or you can't do it mindset, but it's a bad habit. It's yeah. nothing more than a bad habit, but yeah. it's a bad habit we're all into. Yeah. And so, I mean, do you like, when, when you're confronted with, like, negative thoughts, do you, like, sit down and write out pe- positive affirmations, or is there, what what kind of tricks do you use when you get Well, into- you know, I feel that it's important to have some tools to deal with that, because, I mean, as much as I know about this stuff, I still have negative thoughts that will come up. But I, you know, won't let my brain get away with it anymore. So I, there's a, I have several different techniques that I use. Um, I'm a big fan of Byron Katie. I don't know if you're familiar with the work, but that's where you question your thoughts. Like if you have a negative thought, and eventually that thought will just let go of you if you're actually questioning it. And you ask four questions. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, but, you know, first question, is that true? Is that, is that true what you're thinking? You know, that, oh, I can't learn to play the piano, to use that as an example. Yeah. Is that true? And, and then you go, yeah, it does seem to be true. You know, I'm in practice and whatever. So then the second question, this shows how important or, or how much reality is, is you know, is um, not necessarily set in stone. 
the second question is, are you sure that's true? And then you have to go, well, maybe it's not true. The third question you ask yourself, well, how does that thought make me feel? You know, when I think I can't do this, it makes me feel, oh, mad, and I want to be resistant, and, oh, I'm going to, you know, hit something, or whatever. You, know, you just go through and you think about all the things, how that thought makes you feel. And then the fourth question is, um, who would I be without that thought? Who would I be without the thought that I cannot learn to play the piano? And you really try to look at that honestly and ask yourself that, you know, who would you be? You know, really, who would you be? And then the final thing you do after you question those four things is you, you turn it around. And so whatever belief you believe, I can't learn to play the piano, you would say, I can learn to play the piano. And then you come up with three reasons why that is just as true as this other thought that you've been thinking. Yeah. So it's like there is no absolute reality. And that's one thing you know, we're really finding out with quantum physics. There is no absolute reality, but we believe there is. So really what you're doing is you're questioning this absolute reality that you have invested so much of your energy in. So I do use that quite a bit. I, I really enjoy the Byron Katie work and and that's that's one of my own little tools. I think everybody needs needs some tools, you know, and that's yeah. that's one that I have used. Yeah, well, um, if, yeah, great it, effect. Yeah, if it if it were if it works, it that's that's great because uh, a lot of times if you don't use something like that, if you don't analyze it, I mean, I think writing things down to me is very helpful and and examining the basis for it. And if I I think underlying it is 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 the fact that we are really powerful creatures. We are like a gusher of ideas and energy. And if you don't control it, you're able you're liable to to lose control uh, of 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 the direction of your energy, of your beliefs. And so a lot of this to me, I I you know the 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 thought in my head of this is like we're like a fire hose. I have this picture of this fire hose with this water coming spewing out of it. And that's really what we are. And when we don't take the time to master that energy, we're just spraying that stuff all over the place and wasting our time. And and that that is something that, you know, books like yours and others in this field are are sort of focusing on to try to get us to master master that energy. Now, there, there are some famous books in this area, and I was just wondering how your thoughts compare. And, of course, the one that comes up is The Secret and this whole law of attraction. And I know that we've had a lot of unhappy people probably who have tried to manifest a winning lottery ticket or something like that. Um, what, is, what is your spin on the law of attraction? Well, first, let me talk about that idea of winning the lottery ticket. Okay. okay, I'm a student of The Course in Miracles. I want to let go of my ideas as much as possible because my ideas tend to reflect back those old mental constructs. So by me saying, oh, I want to win the lottery, I'm going to win the lottery, that really does put handcuffs on this field of infinite potentiality. What I want, or what anybody would want, was to be prosperous and abundant. But once you define it, it's got to be, I'm going to win the lottery, well, you know, that gives the infinite field of infinite potentiality that one way of delivering your good to you. Yeah. So it's, in my mind, it's a, you know, a mistake. I think we need to you know, set it and forget it. What you really want, I mean, do you really want a ticket that has these numbers on it, or do you want the financial abundance? Which, and I have a whole argument about abundance. I don't know that you know, finances is necessarily the biggest um, criteria of abundance. But anyway, um, 
when you give it up, you know, you say, okay, this is what I want, and this is what I want to manifest is abundance, is, you know, this feeling of no limits and that kind of thing, then you give the infinite potentiality, you know, unlimited ways to have that come to you. But if you say, no, I'm going to win the lottery. But anyway, I don't know if that totally answers your question. I know that was your, you, you kind of mentioned on that. No, what was your other question? What do I think of those books or well, whatever? Well, the, how, how, do your, how does your thinking re, uh, compare to the, the law of attraction or uh, the class? I mean, every, I mean, we've heard about it. Uh, you know, you, you, you throw positive thoughts out, out into the universe and they, and they, and, the, and, and the universe listens and delivers what you manifested. I mean, what well, is your I do believe in the law of attraction in general. I think it does work because we are energy beings. We are vibrational beings, and our thoughts all have a particular vibration. And then we are, that is like magnets, and that brings it back to us. But I do believe it's a lot bigger than that. And I think, um, you know, people misinterpreted that. And here's what I would say more than we're manifesting things or attracting things. We are actually connected to everything in, according to the field of potentiality. We are connected to every single thing. What we see in our life is what we are focused upon because that is where we're putting our attention. And I... I, my daughter used to have this little computer game, you know, and you put the cursor on the, the cupboard, you know, and it would open and these little mice would start dancing. So wherever we're focusing our attention, that comes alive. I mean, that is, um, you know, that's the observer effect. That's, you know, that's, you're, you're coalescing those energy waves. So more than attracting things to you, you're actually, you know, making alive what, you know, because you're connected to everything, every right. single thing. So you have to focus your If you're focusing your attention on how you don't have enough money, blah, 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 blah. Well, then that is what you're, you know, that's going to be the reality that you're, that's what you're making alive in your life. That's what you're, you know, because you're already connected. You're also, you know, wealthy. It's like a flip side. There is no absolute reality. It's whatever radio station you decide to listen to. Yeah. Well, I mean, one way I put this is that we're all part of, of the authors of the grand story of life. I mean, that's, I don't know if that sounds grandiose or not, but if, if Shakespeare was right, uh, and I'm probably gonna, I'm, I'm probably gonna butcher the line, but it's something like, uh, life is a stage and we're all actors on it. I mean, he was right that, that we are all, we're not only actors, we're also the writers and the directors. And we lose sight of that fact sometimes, and we, we sort of lapse into these default ways of looking at things, like we've talked about before, these old mental constructs. But we, we do have a, a, a role to play in, in determining our destinies. And so if you, if you give up on that, then someone else is going to determine your destiny. And so... I think the law of attraction to me and, and this whole thing about intentionality goes to taking control of your own story and and putting out there a vision and 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 uh, pursuing that vision and so and because I don't think there's any doubt Pam that we are part of an energy field and I don't care whether we call it the quantum field the zero point field uh, the the one dream of God I don't care what it's called it's it's there's a unified mind at work here 
and I and the the sooner we accept that and just move forward, I think the better off we're all going to be. Um, you know, people ask me when I'm interviewed, you know, is the world ready for this? Well, I don't know, but I think the world is waiting for people who are ready for it. Frankly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think that's I think that's where things are are, are heading now. I want to talk about a couple of your experiments, and I'm going to ask you about the abracadabra, which is a really cool word to begin with. Um, and you, you have this is one of your this is one of your nine experiments. It's called the abracadabra principle. Uh, and maybe if maybe you could tell folks what it, what it is, and and what led you to come up with this idea. Um, abracadabra. You know, people always think of that as a magician's word, that oh, I'm going to pull a rabbit out of a hat. But actually, it's an old Latin word that means um, I will create as I speak. I believe it's Latin. I'd have to, but anyway, I believe it's a Latin word that says, I will create as I speak. And so that's why I called it the abracadabra principle. Um, and what you do is, okay, you know, in the previous experiments, you know, we've proven that there is this field of energy. We've proven that we are part of this energy, you know, with Einstein wands and that kind of thing. And so now we're going to, and before we were just asking, like, hey, prove this to me, you know, bring the gift, bring the blessing, show me, you know, this other truth. And in this one, we actually say, okay, I want to um, bring something into your, into my awareness, into my reality, so to speak. And as I say in there, it's best not to choose something that your mind will automatically put up its dukes and go, that's not a, that can't work, that's impossible. So I, I encourage people to pick something, like say, um, you know, I'd like um, a bouquet of flowers or something that they, could, they can conceive, they can get their mind around, they can open up to that reality coming in. So basically what it is, it's, um, it's whatever you focus upon expands in your life, so you're going to focus on this other thing, this thing that you want to draw in. So anyway, that's that's what the abracadabra experiment is. Okay, so each of your experiments has this same scheme to it, which is something like uh, writing down when you want this something to manifest and and the time of day, and then repeating to yourself or writing down um, what what it is that you're that, that you want to have manifested? Um, yeah, I have lab report sheets because okay. I figure let's do it as scientifically yeah. as possible. Yeah. But what it's doing more than anything is jarring us into paying attention yeah. because these miracles, these kind of things are happening all the time, but we're mostly unconscious. We're not aware of it. So these experiments, as much as anything, are showing us. You know, they're changing how we see things. So, yeah, so I, I made them really easy, little bite-sized things you can do. You've got 48 hours for most of them, and then you set up this, you know, hypothesis and the theory and do it just like they do with the scientific method, and then you just, you know, open your eyes and observe. I mean, that's basically it in a nutshell. So, um, so yeah, each one, like I said, there are, there are a couple that are more than... I think there's one that's a lot shorter and there's one that's a little bit longer, but basically they're 48 hours. You know, who, who is, what skeptic wouldn't be willing to give at least 48 hours on that Pascal's wager, like you said, that maybe there is something that, you know, that I can depend on. Maybe there is this energy source that, you know, wants to work in my favor. This is Philip Camello. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. I'm speaking with Pam Grout, the author of E Squared Nine Do-It-Yourself Energy Experiments, 
that prove your thoughts create your reality. Now, you have a new book coming out, uh, Pam, the sequel to E Squared, which I mentioned is called E Cubed. What is, what is the new book going to be about? Well, it does have nine more energy experiments, and I have nine corollaries in the in this. I mean, people have had so much fun with this. Like you had mentioned, hey, let's have a good time with this. The thing that's been so great about E-squared is that people are making this fun. People are forming groups to do this. And I, I always like to say, you know, if it's, if it's not fun, it's not sustainable. And I want people to really use these principles and to continue to use these principles, not just to, oh, look, that worked. But so if you make it fun, so it's, it's obviously going to be a lot of fun. So in E-Cubed, it's, again, I encourage even more fun and even more, you know, merriment and, and mirth as you're doing these things, because the more fun you can make it, the better it works. You know, it's all our seriousness and all we've got to you know, do this this way and all the rules and all, you know, that's just a, a sure recipe to, <laughs> for yeah. failure, you know. So to really be, f- to, to fun and to, to make it fun, to play. I mean, in fact, I thought about calling instead of nine energy experiments, nine more energy experiments, I thought about nine more um, play games or nine more yeah. games or something yeah. like that. Because, I mean, it really is fun to make it into a game. But anyway, it's just got, it's nine corollaries to, you know, the experiments in E squared. Those are still the bedrock you know, principles that I believe, you know, how the universe works. But here's some corollaries to, um, you know, to further, to further, you know, cement these in. And, and again, E-squared had two-day experiments. These are a lot of times three-day experiments. But I also say that hopefully you'll make this a life habit, you know, that this will be more than just an experiment. This is a way to actually live your life, to look, you know, what is going right instead of what's going wrong. So, um, so anyway, it's, it's basically in the same vein. It just goes deeper and um, just more fun games people can, can attempt to do with their lives. Well, at the end of the day, this has to be fun because, you know, life is not supposed to be a chore. And I think that one of the the reasons, and I think one of the um, the purposes of this movement, and I think it's a movement in search of a name because the term New Age is, is not favored that much. New spirituality is not bad. But but one of the, the advantages of this of this new spirituality movement, uh, you know, you call it the infinite um, abundance that there's that there's something in it for everybody. You know, there's not a pot of gold with a hundred coins in it that the first one there gets the money. There there's enough in the universe that we could all benefit from. And this this is again, it sounds when I say that, it sounds like sort of happy talk, but again, that it, that appears to be the way the world works. So why turn right. our backs on it? Right. There are no boundaries. We've created the separation and the limitations. See, we can't even get our minds around infinity. I mean, that's like, what? well, it's infinity, because all we can think of is this limited container, you know, that who we are. Yeah. Um, you know, so we've got all these limits, and so that's how we're seeing life. So that's why we're, oh, we've got to you know, do my part so I can get ahead of everybody else. That's not really the truth. The truth is everybody can benefit. The world is wildly abundant, and um, that is the actual truth. And it's, there's infinite possibilities. When I say you know, infinite potentiality, anything is possible. Um, the, and the more you let go of the facts that you believe about the way it is, the more possibilities, potentiality can come to you. And there's enough for everyone. And that's a real important criteria because that... 
um, kind of eliminates that need we all have to hoard. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, the people, oh, we've got to hoard this and hoard that, and, you know, I've got to get my share. And I think that's created a lot of problems, again, because we do believe there's only so much to go around. There's more than enough to go around for everybody, and that's a real important distinction, and that's part of the, you know, the philosophy that I am... Um, you know, as we give, we receive. You know, the more you give, the more you receive. And that is really the truth of the way the world works. All the stuff that's really valuable, the more you give it away, the more it comes back to you. Yeah. So um, so anyway, that's a, that's a real important uh, principle that that I certainly try to live by. Well, it, it's sort of, I mean, as you were talking, it, it sort of reminds, t- to me, the, the, the metaphor in my head is like surfing. Even though I'm not a surfer, although it sounds, I mean, I, I could probably go out there and lay flat and, and stay afloat <laughs> for a little bit. But but surfing is sort of, you know, that, that notion of catching the wave and staying afloat. I mean, that's sort of the challenge that we have. If the world is infinite energy, a field, uh, then then our challenge, our quest is to get ourselves in line with it. Very, it's exactly the same as as the Tao, the way, getting in tune with the universe. All these things are, are it's, to me, it's the same thing, and it's really fun to to try to to catch that wave and to ride it. And and it, the, these things, you know, these experiments, the practicing, um, the 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 failures, uh, to, to you know, keep getting back on that surfboard and you know, and trying to trying to catch the wave. I think that that. That is really our challenge. I, I, and I want to say something about infinity here that sort of, I think it's, it's important. In our current scientific worldview, they use the term infinity when they're talking about matter. I mean, it's always puzzled me. Um, like, for example, the Big Bang uh, supposedly began with an infinite seed. They put infinity in a seed. Uh, the the multiverse is supposed to be an infinite number of other universes well to me we need to move the infinity inside and view ourselves as being unlimited unlimited potential it's just a different way to view infinity it's the real powerful infinity Uh, in in closing i i don't want to forget the big topic uh which we touched upon but and that is god and where that where where our notions of God fit into this way of thinking. Because in your book, you have some uh, observations to make about sort of our wrong-headed uh, standpoint towards God. And, and what, what, what do you have to say on that point? Well, I think we've kind of accused God, if you want to call the field of infinite potentiality God, of a crime he didn't commit. <laughs> In fact, <laughs> even call God a he, that's one of the whoppers I talk about. There's eight whoppers that we have been believing in about God. And I think a lot of, of the reason a lot of people aren't using this field of infinite potentiality because they have it wrapped up with religion and with God. And we, we feel that it's something that's going to judge us and it's something that's going to reward and punish us. And um, because we have it all wrapped up, and there's been, you know, thousands of years of religion and believing all this kind of stuff, so I think a lot of us have shied away from using this universal energy force because we think of it as God. So in the book, I do talk about myths around God, and uh, to me, a better way of thinking of this 
energy force is like electricity. You know, we don't ever doubt that if we plug in our toaster that we can get toast. You know, we don't have to be good enough to, you know, um, be able to toast a bagel. We, you know, we don't doubt that if we, you know, put coffee in our Mr. Coffee Maker in the morning, we don't have to sit there and go, oh, please, Mr. Coffee Maker, <laughs> please make me coffee. We know that if we do the right things, you know, the correct configuration of plugging the thing in, we will get coffee. And that is how we need to think of this energy force instead of thinking it, of it as God that's always judging that it requires us to, you know, put ashes on our head and go through all these machinations to, you know, make it happy or, or make him happy. Be, I mean, that's what I said. It's not really, you think of it more as an it. It's this force. It's not you don't say Mr. Gravity or Mrs. Electricity. <laughs> I mean, it's a force. So anyway, that that is, I think, one of the reasons that we haven't fully employed this powerful force is because we have it all wrapped up with God and our notions about religion and about our notions about what God is. Yeah, and it really is one of those old mental constructs that we have a hard time disassembling. You know, I think you, use, you have a really good uh, example uh, again, of electricity, of uh, you know your 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 Benjamin Franklin example uh, in your book, where you say something like, you know, uh, we don't we don't uh, put make a statue out of Benjamin Franklin and pray to him to to uh, help us. I mean, we we put into effect electricity, and yet we we tend we we are in this odd kind of mythical mindset of a lot of us where we think that if we curry favor with the god or the gods or the force that 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 we're going to get a favor bestowed upon us instead of putting into practice the the le- the moral teachings the lessons that um, that people like Jesus Christ the buddha etc have taught I think right, you know, right. I like to say, well, you know, Jesus didn't say, worship me. He said, <laughs> follow me. He demonstrated these principles. He demonstrated these principles, you know, ask and it shall be given. Um, you know, what you focus on, expand. These, this is what Jesus was all about. He could heal people. He knew about the quantum field, even if he didn't call it the quantum field. Yeah. He knew that. But instead of following him, as he asked us to do, and using the principles that he taught us, that he was one of the first to get. I mean, many great masters have, you know, mastered these principles, but he was one who, you know, had a, but but instead what we've done is we sit around and worship him instead of using what he taught us. Yeah, and and when you think about it, that's really what organized religion is. It's based upon the notion of worship, and that mindset uh, unfortunately, is going to have to change, I think, or at least, and I, I do think, and I, I just read, there's an article in New Scientist uh, magazine the other day where, where uh, you know, religion is on a decline uh, across, across the Western world, and not, not a, it's a gradual decline, and, and it's that, that old, that old, uh, explanation you know if you're asked about it a lot of people say i'm not religious i'm but i'm spiritual and i think that to me the hopeful sign of this is that we have more people looking inside and questioning some of these old beliefs uh, reading books like the secret like your book and uh, amika swami and bruce lipton and so many other folks that are putting some of these old ideas to the test and and hopefully opening up uh, this this field of potentiality for more people now Pam uh, 
the time has spun by, but I'd like to maybe ask the, ask you to give the listener a takeaway uh, from from your book or your books or your research that would that you think the the listener might benefit from. Oh wow, the takeaway moment. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, was going to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's so many different things you can you know get from this conversation. But I think one really easy thing that you could call a takeaway is to really be open-minded to new possibilities and to really question all the things that you believe and to really, you know, is, is this really true? Is this really a fact? You know, just to, just to think about in terms of being open-minded and investigating other possibilities, just being open to that. So. I guess that would be my my small little takeaway. Yeah, well, that's I think I think that is where it all begins as well. I think that you have to you have to strive for that open mindedness. I mean, we were all when we were young, it was easier, and and when you go through uh, school careers, uh, the challenges of putting food on the table, making money, and putting a, having a home and everything, you know, it's. You're, you know, our minds become clouded, and cleaning out that debris in the garage, uh, and just just starting over, and it doesn't. It's th- this itself is an experiment. You know, for just you know, use it as an hypothesis. Clear out the brain and question everything. And I think when you start from there, you you start maybe building up a a a more substantial, a more valid way of looking at things and I think it opens up I think it opens up a lot of potential and and then finally at the end of the day um, the important thing and I think you do this so well in your book uh, E E squared is that there's a lot of these fine principles that we read about whether it's in Hinduism Buddhism Christianity or quantum theory but we need to infuse the principles into our into our lives, and that's why the experiments, I think, are, are so helpful. So, Pam, thank you very much. Uh, I wish you the best of luck with your new book, E-Cubed, and your travels. I, I didn't get to ask you about your Kenya trip, but um, it's you, you are unique in your field for being both a travel writer and also a new spiritualist or whatever you're calling yourself so, <laughs> an anarchist I'm a an anarchist anarch- <laughs> spiritual anarchist i love that yeah. that's great okay well thank you very much it's been great having you on the show and again i wish you the best of luck with uh with your future work oh thank you philip it's been great fun thanks a lot okay bye-bye bye-bye you've been listening to conversations beyond science and religion hosted by philip camilla to find out more about philip and his book the collapse of materialism Visit thecollapseofmaterialism.com.